0: I want to talk for a few minutes, just it's not going to be long today, about the perfect gift. The perfect gift. Has anybody even started their Christmas shopping? <laughs> some of you have not started. You have? Uh, are you are finished? If, is anybody finished with their Christmas shopping? Man, y'all are good. Okay. And some people have not even started, or some people are thinking about it, or they're in the middle of it, or it's just an idea. People try to find the perfect gift for whoever they're buying for. And many years ago, the newspaper came out with an article, and it detailed all the return policies at the various stores. Well, now on the internet, it tells you that the return policies are changing, and they're shortening the return windows. They're not making it so generous anymore because they don't want so many returns. People are are shopping online, returning, shopping online, returning. And so they're trying to shorten these return windows. And the truth is, though, no matter how hard you try to find the right color, the right size, the right thing, some gifts will need to be returned. They just will. And in our family, for years, we had the white elephant game. Yesterday, we did that at the Ladies Connect meeting. And they didn't have a lot of stealing and trading. And my family gets very ruthless with this game. Like, they make the most of it. But for years, there was this one person who honestly thought that Radar the Weather Dog, the stuffed animal version, was a really great gift. But nobody else in the whole family thought that. And so it's funny with gifts. What one person's treasure is another person's trash. You know, at Marshall's that a lot of us go to, the Marshall's stores, they used to have two lines. One was for buying and one was for returning. And I appreciated that because I did a lot of returns because I am very picky and sometimes even things I buy that I think I like, I take home and I go, this doesn't look good and I want to return it. And now I've got to stand in the line with everybody, whether they're buying or returning. But some people are really hard to buy for. You know, I'm one of them. But my son takes after me in that respect and he's very picky. He says he's discriminating about what he likes. And so one year, a long time ago, when he was still living in an apartment, he was a much younger man, I found this really cool vase at a store on Fondren called Storehouse that's not in existence anymore. And I just thought this would look great in Paul Michael's apartment. It would look good. And he goes, Mom, please don't try to buy me anything. I'm not going to like it. Mom, don't buy me a present. I'm not going to like it. But I just was convinced. I go, he goes, Mom, here's what I really want, money. And I go, okay. (laughs) Alicia goes, here's what I really want, gift cards. No. And so I go, I'll give you money, but I found this present, son, and I really honestly think you're going to like it. And he goes, I'm not, mom. No matter what it is you think you like or you think I'm going to like, I am not going to like it. And so I just decided that I was just going to press into what I believed. And um, on Christmas, along with my gift of cash, he opened his box, and it had this cool-looking vase in it that I knew would look great on his shelf in his new apartment. And he opened it, and he looked at it, and so for a minute, he sort of withheld judgment, and he goes, well, let me take it home. I'll try it. And he called from his house, and he goes, mom, it's amazing. It, it actually looks good. I, I can't believe it. I, I like it, mom. And I go, I told you, I told you. And he finally he quickly added he goes, "Wait, mom, don't get all confident and start trying to think that now you can buy me gifts. This is probably the only time this is ever going to happen." And so at the other end of the spectrum on buying gifts is Cammy, who likes everything. Cammy likes everything. She's not here today. They are packing right now to go to Israel on the Israel tour with Ed Trout. Their whole family is going. Cammy, you go into a store and she goes, "Oh, I like this. I love that. Oh, I love this. I love these." And they're all different looks and styles and I'll go I don't like one thing in here. But she likes so many things, it's still hard to buy for her. But what I learned with Cammy, quantity goes a long way. And so instead of one big gift, we would get 13 little odd things, and she would like every one of them. But sometimes it is still hard to find the perfect gift. And so USA Today, which is a newspaper, and now it's online, One time they interviewed celebrities about their most hated and most loved gifts they've ever received. I know some of Alan's most hated gifts because he actually told Cammie that he hated her gift, and she did fine because she understood. Okay, and we all actually thought, Cammie, why did you buy that for him? The Houston Chronicle, a long time ago, had this editorial about gift giving, and they actually mentioned biblical things. That's hard to find nowadays. And they talked about the gifts that were given to Jesus that set a precedent for Christmas giving, you know, for years to come. And they talked about the wise men. They're not necessarily three wise men. That's what we say. That's sort of a tradition. There were. We don't know how many. The Bible doesn't say. Uh, the the Chronicle said their names. The Bible doesn't say their names. That usually comes from tradition. But the Bible in Matthew 2.11 does recount the gifts they brought. It recounts the gifts they brought. And so if we're going to stay biblical, we know about the gold, we know about the frankincense, and we know about the myrrh. But each one of those was very symbolic. And the truth is that the gold was given to our little infant king as a token of his royalty. The gold symbolized royalty, his great worth. The frankincense was fragrance. It's, it's frankincense to this day if you put a little bit of it in anointing oil, it just smells so good and it was used uh, in sacrificial offerings. And so it was meant to represent the fact that he was going to be sacrificial and he had a priestly function. The myrrh was used in embalming, and burials. And so it was a very perfumey type ointment. And it was signifying that he would have a future suffering and death. So we have the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And while every one of these has a symbolic meaning, they're also very practical in nature. In Matthew, We read about how the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, Get your family out of here so that you can flee because Herod is killing all the infant children and Jesus needed to be saved. How did this poor family support themselves? Many people think that the gold, the frankincense and myrrh, the gifts that were given, went a long way practically. So there are things that there's a symbolic spiritual nature, but there's also very practical nature. When we give, there's something very spiritual that we're doing. There's a spiritual transaction that we're entering into when we give, but then there's a the practical things that we're providing for people. And there's a spiritual and the practical. When a church is operating, there's the spiritual and the the practical. And we have to tend to both of them. And some people, they say they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But then some people are so carnal, they can't move over into the spirit. And there's a balance of both. And so in these gifts, we even see this principle. Now, the three gifts may have saved Jesus's life. Some of our gifts are saving people's lives. Some of these kids' lives are eternally changed. Their lives are saved. There was a young man when I was in Columbia ministering that was sort of crying in the back while I was preaching. I had a translator. I hadn't seen him before when I'd gone there other times. I went several years in a row, maybe two or three times a year, some years. And we had a Generation Jesus chapter over there where we were training young people to do ministry on the streets. Now, our ministry on the streets and their ministry on the streets is very different. Because their ministry on the streets, at one point, uh, the young man who was the pastor's son, who was sort of in charge and the head of our generation, Jesus, he goes, we need to pack up and go. And I go, well, I see people surrounding us. He goes, we we need to get out of here now. And so there's a danger. I had on a, a ring. It was a plastic ring from Harwin. It had some little shiny things in it that looked like sparkly. It looked like a diamond. He goes, take that off. I go, what do you mean take that off? He goes, they'll cut your hand off to get that. And so there's a different level. There's a different element of danger when you're ministering there, but still, People have the same needs. And so there's this young little boy in the back. He looked like he's about 13 years old. And um, at the end of the meeting, he comes up and hugs me. And Mauricio goes, he was a killer for the cartel. And I go, what? He goes, he was a killer for the cartel. And that little, I still have pictures of him today. He was so happy. We gave him the Generation Jesus sign, and he got to hold one end of it at our outreach. Somebody else held the other end. And the reason he was a killer is because his dad had been a pastor And the cartel, the revolutionary forces, went, and they killed his dad. And they said, now, if you don't do what we say, we're going to kill your mom and your two sisters. And so they bring him up in the mountains, and they train him, and he has to go do hits for them. But this little young man showed up at our meeting, and he accepted Jesus. He hugged me and cried. He needed motherly love just like a lot of young kids. And so there's a practical and there's a spiritual to many things. And we need not deny either side of that equation. And so... Those three gifts may have saved Jesus's life, and some of your giving is saving people's lives even now, because somebody put a check in our offering so that I could get to Columbia and preach that message, and somebody paid money at Pastor Bunch's church so that they could have their facility where we had that meeting. And so there's a practical and a spiritual to all we do, and don't forget that. Now, while they gave three gifts, it's also been said that a gift must meet three criteria in order for it to be considered perfect, because we're talking about the perfect gift the perfect gift. Number one, the gift should reflect the one who gives it. Do your gifts reflect you? You put something of you in it? The gift should reflect the one who gives it. Number two, the gift should reflect knowledge of the one who receives it, knowledge of their tastes, their desires, their needs. You know, I've had people come to me in counseling and go, uh, oh, the presents he gives me, I tell him I hate brown, and he buys me a brown sweater, you know. And so you have to know what do they like. And you can't give them what you like, but what they like, what works for them. And so the gift should reflect the one who gives it. It should reflect knowledge of the one who receives it, their taste, their desires, their needs. And number three, the gift should be of a nature and quality that will hold its value as time goes on. I have such gifts. I have things in my house that have been there 52 years. They, they made things better back in the old days, I think, and they last a long time. But your gift should be of a quality that doesn't just self-destruct the next day. Now, if you're giving to your two-year-old, and the, it doesn't have to be that kind of quality. It's okay. There's Be practical. But the gift should be something that holds its value. And I know that sometimes we don't just preach Jesus, just Jesus only. But God really gave us the perfect gift in Jesus. What else can we say? I mean, John said it in his offering. God gave. There's nothing about him that's not perfect. He's perfect in all his ways. And the gift of Jesus actually meets all three criteria for being a perfect gift. He reflects the one who gave him. God the Father gave Jesus, his only begotten son, so that I could be saved, so that I could have eternal life. He reflects God. In all he does, he reflected God. On this earth, he reflected the heart of the Father to humanity. No matter what people needed or how messed up they were, the Samaritan woman, you know, the woman at the well, no matter people that were considered unclean, he would go there. He would go there. He touched the leper. He went into leper colonies and prayed with people and laid hands on them. See, with, with God, like we, I said last week, I think, during worship, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, if you would touch an unclean thing, you would become unclean. But in the New Testament, see, when someone clean touches you, you become clean. See, it's a, it's a whole different transaction. And so so we've got to get from the old to the new even in our own thinking. And so Jesus reflects the one who gave him. He reflects God the Father. Number 2. God's gift of his son reflects knowledge of our needs, the needs of the recipient. Our needs. God's gift of Jesus, he, he knew just what we needed. Before we knew that we needed him, he knew we needed him. I didn't understand why I needed a savior. I thought I wasn't that bad. My sins were, I wasn't, you know, doing this and I wasn't doing that. And until Jesus really came, I didn't even see my my, uh, sinful nature. I didn't even get why I needed him. I thought I was doing okay on my own. Talk about pride. Talk about humanism. But see, when we have an encounter with him, then we know, ooh, this is what I needed all along, but I just didn't even know it. Number three, the gift of Jesus is of a nature and quality, surely, absolutely that holds its value as time goes on. Last week, we sang the blood of Jesus. It never loses its power. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It flows from the highest mountain. It goes to the lowest valley. The blood that he shed for me never, ever, ever loses its power. It doesn't diminish as time goes on. 46 years ago was powerful in my life. Today, it's powerful in my life. It does not diminish. It does not lose its value. And so, The gift that God gave reflects every single criteria that we would even say today are good gift-giving criteria. John 3.16, John already quoted it while he did the tithes and the offerings. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. We should be givers. We should be givers. He gave his only begotten son. He gave us the perfect gift when he gave us Jesus. My spiritual mother is 98 years old this year. She was in February, and uh, if she stays on this earth, she'll be 99 Valentine's Day next February. Alicia, we need to go see her in about a week or two. She's been getting weaker and weaker, but when I go over there, she's just still beautiful. When I go, she's fully made up with accessories and jewelry. You know, I got saved because she looks so good. (laughs) I went to a meeting and I thought, these women are crazy they're crying they're holding their hands up and they, they're all crying but are they so emotional I'm not emotional I'm not weak like that but the woman who stood up to teach was beautiful and she had on gorgeous accessories with her outfit and it looked so good I just kept looking at it and I thought well she, how can she be that put together if what she's saying is crazy and so I'm like maybe there is something to it and um I went back the next week just because I was so intrigued even though I thought the women were a little bit weak and weird and um listened to her again, and she was preaching out of the Bible, and I really didn't know a lot out of the Bible, and I was like, it says that? And then I went home and found something, you know, I I found a Bible. I didn't have a Bible, and read what she had said, and I'm like, whoo, and I kept going back, and after a few, several weeks, I told her about how that first time I went, her outfit just caught my eye, and the way she accessorized was so beautiful, and she said that day, she remembered it, she was walking out of her house, she lives in Memorial. Her husband, he's in heaven now, but he owned a big fertilizer company. They were very well off. And, um, but she just gave her time to teach the Bible to this Italian Catholic group of women, and everybody got saved. But she remembered that morning that she was walking out the door, and the Holy Spirit prompted her, go back in and change clothes. And she's like, what? Go back in and change clothes. And she walked in her closet, and she goes, what, Lord? And her eye drew to a certain outfit, and that outfit had certain accessories that went with it. She put them on, and she came, not knowing why he said that. There's a spiritual and a practical. See, there's a spiritual. Even if you don't know why God says to do something, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And then the right result will come. My life was changed because she changed her clothes that day because God said, go back in and change your outfit. And so because she looked so beautiful... I got saved because man looks at the outward appearance, God says. And yeah, I I didn't know how to look at the heart yet. All I knew was the outward appearance. And God used the right bait to catch me. And then because of me, other people's lives were changed. And so we need to just obey his promptings at every turn. And so last time I saw her, She's a little weaker now, and she has a personal assistant that's with her all the time. But she was still, all her makeup is on and all her jewelry. And I'm like, man, I don't have that much jewelry on, and I'm your visitor. But she gave me this card years ago. Maybe you've heard it, but I just want to close with this. And it says, God sent us a Savior. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, and God sent us a Savior. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this room and in each of our lives. I thank you for the spiritual and the practical. And you will work with us, God, work with us and help us to understand both sides of that equation so that we will be most useful in your hands, oh God, as a vessel of honor that can pour out wherever you say, however you want us to do. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you, Lord, that we have already received the perfect gift. Now, Lord, help us in our gift giving as we just reach out to others. Maybe someone just needs a smile or someone needs an encouraging word, or someone needs help, Lord, in a way that we may not realize, but you will prompt us exactly what they need. Lord, you are the perfect gift, and Lord, I just thank you that you will help us be perfect in all our ways, even as you are, God. We can only do that in you, and you will bless us all through this Christmas season. I bless every person under the sound of my voice. Amen and amen.